Good afternoon, BCC. Um, it's a pleasure to bring God's word to us this afternoon and on Father's Day. And I pray that each and every one of us will be blessed by this word in Jesus' name. Um, you can follow the message. Um, this title is Forever Friends. If you point your phone to the QR code, um, you can get to the message notes. Or if you go into the Bible app, you know, go to events, um, click on Birmingham City Church, and you'll be able to follow along. So we're looking at part three of the series, King David. Pastor Nick started two weeks ago, and this is the third part. And today, we're going to be exploring the friendship that David had with Jonathan. As we all know, David and Jonathan were great friends, but they were also men. And um, if we look at things, I'm sure you agree with me, and um, I have to agree with myself, um, we men, we're not the best at you know, making um, close friendships. And um, women seem to do, you know, much better than that. They, you know, they, they, they find it so easy to have close friendship. But we men, especially when it comes to opening up, you know, when we have emotional hurts or things that are deep and maybe they're not the things we may not want to share with maybe our wives or another woman, maybe things that we may see as men to men. But even then, we still find it difficult to open up. So I was kind of doing a bit of research on some studies that would kind of support this in regards to how men and women relate in regards to conversations and thoughts. And um, I came across two profound statements which I found very interesting. The first one says, says this, men focus on fact-based conversations that can end abruptly, while women tend towards extended conversations about complex and often emotional topics. Men focus on fact-based conversations that can end abruptly. And let me give you an example. Just imagine two men, you know, or maybe it's even a man and a woman talking, and the question is going to the man. So let's say I say, are you all right? The man says, yes. Is anything bothering you? No. Are you sure? Yes. So you can't really get far. I mean, if women would generally say yes and whatsoever, and they would go into detail, and then things can get sorted. And I'd just like to say for mothers in the house, that maybe you've got teenage boys that you know they talk to you, they open up to you all the time, and all of a sudden you've noticed you're getting the yes, no, maybe. Don't worry, they're just becoming men. <laughs> Amen. The second point I'd like to share is that um, women are used to sharing all their thoughts. This is the study. This is not me. This is what I found online. Women are used to sharing all their thoughts, which is good, and all areas of concerns are addressed when there are issues, while men often keep thoughts to themselves. And I can relate with that. My wife will agree with me. Sometimes she has to pull the thoughts out of me. And this is because maybe because... The thoughts we have are not considered worthy of attention or because due to some other reasons. But it's true that we men often keep thoughts to ourselves, and I believe we can agree on that. So we don't really get great results, especially matters that require some emotional healing of some sort. So today, I want to unpack for us a couple of pointers that I believe will help men 
of the church so that we can build strong friendships with other men in our lives. I've got seven points here, but ladies, each of these ideas applies to you too. So please, I invite you to listen in and please do. And I'd just like to say that um, these pointers, these qualities or abilities, it goes both ways. In as much as we're looking for these qualities in people who we can call our close friends, we also have to have those same abilities in us to be a close friend to somebody else. So it goes both ways. When we strive to be what we want to see in others, God will make it happen to us. Amen. So the first one is, number one, close friends build relationships on a foundation of truth. Close friends build relationships on a foundation of truth. And I mean godly truth. Um, Jonathan, even before he met David, he had a track record in right discernment and right actions in God. To the point that he was able to say that his father, King Saul, the way he was ruling the land was not wise and it was not godly. Now, despite the fact that King Saul was his dad, he did not cover up. He stood on the truth. And that might have been a difficult thing to do, knowing that your father is the king. And I can, you know, bring, and from the scriptures, we can see, you know, where this comes, fulfills out. In the book of um, 1 Samuel chapter 14, Israel had gone to war with the Philistines. And King Saul had made the Israelites take an oath, or rather, you know, he had made Israelites make a promise that none of them should eat any food before evening. And if they do, they will be under a curse. So they're going to war, and he's saying to the soldiers, you must not eat anything before evening. Somehow, Jonathan didn't get to hear of this um, promise or this command. And um, he came across honey. He, he ate the honey. He was strengthened. He, you know, he was, you know, he was going to war. He was strengthened. And the soldiers were like, hey, look, we're weak. We're exhausted. And you're eating honey. Did you not hear the, the king's decree that you're not supposed to eat anything? And anyone who does will be under a curse. And listen to what Jonathan said to the soldiers. In 1 Samuel 14, verse 29, Samuel said to the soldiers, my father has brought trouble to the land. Just look at how I have renewed energy because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the troops had eaten freely today from the plunder they took from their enemies, then the slaughter of the Philistines would have been much greater. So he was not afraid to say, well, the command that my dad has given you is not right, it's not the best. You know, he stood on the truth of the word, even though it was his father. And these are true and accurate statements which prove his ability to make godly discernments. And this ability to make godly discernments is the foundation of all our friendships. It's not possible to build a friendship with someone who cannot be truthful. If someone cannot be truthful, then he can't be your close friend. And it has to be both ways. If we want to be close friends to someone, we need to be truthful. So we need this ability, we need this character in our lives. Number two, close friends keep affirming agreements about their friendships. Close friends keep affirming agreements about their friendships. You know, 
when you're when you have when you are in a relationship with, with a close friend you should be able to discuss your friendship and place values and make agreements about what it is and that's just what a covenant is david and jonathan they had a covenant of friendship in fact the bible says they made that covenant twice and when you make a covenant, you are declaring that you are forming a bond that is not going to be broken easily or quickly. So when, you're, when you have a close friendship with someone, you're saying, I'm for you, I'm sticking with you, and regardless of what happens, I'm going to stand beside you. I'm going to be your friend. I'm not going to chicken out when things get, you know, a little bit rough. I want to stay with you. Jonathan and David did this twice in their friendship. In 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 3, the Bible says, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved David as much as himself. And again, they made another covenant in 1 Samuel 23 verse 18. Then the two of them made a covenant in the Lord's presence. So here we see they made a covenant twice. And what they're saying is that, look, we mean business. Our friendship is not just um, something that is, um, that, is, that is of no value. And God, does also, and God also does this with us. He made a covenant of friendship with us in the Old Testament. You could read that in Genesis 22 verse 14 and there's some other scriptures. But again, he renewed it in Jesus in the New Testament. You know, Jesus personally made a declaration to say that we are his friends. In John 15 chapter 15 verse 15, Jesus said, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. He said, I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 says this. He says, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother and we need good friends. You know, I've got two brothers I'm close to them, but I've got some friends who are very close, and there are things I tell my close friends, I don't tell my brothers. But what a privilege that Jesus calls us his friends. And in our day-to-day -day life, we need good friends, close friends, and these are some of the things we need to see in our friends. See, our friendships with close friends has to be something we can discuss and be open with one another. As men, um, you know, particularly when we go through hard things, I can understand that we have to be careful who we open to, but we do need close friends. And this friendship, or whoever we're having this friendship with, is not just to show love, but also to be able to be corrected when we're out of line. We need friends who can say to us, hey, you're out of line, you need to get back in line. We need friends who can advise us, who can tell us things as they are. And if we are truthful to one another, we can have such a friendship. Jonathan and David, they had a friendship covenant be between themselves. As also God and Jesus Christ made a covenant of friendship between us. And we also need to have a covenant of friendship with someone, whoever God leads us to. And how do we have this covenant of friendship? In today's world, it will be more of affirming to one another that I've got your back, I'm here with you, I'm ready to go along with you all the way. You can trust me, you know, I'm here for your good. That's how to form a covenant of friendship. 
Don't go cutting your hands, shedding blood, dipping it together and saying, <laughs> maybe that's a covenant. No, not that kind of covenant, but a covenant that is affirmed by words of truth and integrity. Number three, close friends give one another gifts expressing real personal value. Now, Jonathan was able to give David presents that expressed real personal value and that really meant something to Jonathan. You know, these were things that Jonathan owned and they were precious to him. The gift said to David after he received them was that, well, I am held in high esteem by Jonathan. First Samuel chapter 18 and verse 4, the Bible says, Then Jonathan removed the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his military tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now, these were things that meant something to Jonathan. And in today, how can, what gift can we give to a friend of personal value? And I would like to say, a gift of real personal value a friend can give another is their time and a listening ear. It involves being there for them. You know, sometimes we, you know, whether men or women, we've got friends who are going through situations and they bring them to us. And sometimes it's not that they want to hear, okay, you need to do one, two, three, four, five. Sometimes they just want to pour out their heart. And all they are looking for is someone to sit and listen and give them the time to pour out whatever they need to pour out. You know, letting them pour everything out that may be, that may be bothering them and that has been bottled up and needs to come out. And I just want to give a, a testimony, as it were. Um, many years ago, I'll say over, I'll say about 15 years ago now. Um, we were living in Yorkshire, and we lived in a place called Idle, I-D-L-E, and we got an Idle working men's club in the place called Idle. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we were living in, in Idle. Idle is a little place on the boundary between Leeds and Bradford. And I was working for a company called HML. I work in IT. And um, the, this company has two offices, one in Skipton, which is in North Yorkshire, and one in Paddingham. Paddingham is on the outskirts of Burnley, as towards Lancashire, if you know that part of the country. And the main data center was in Paddingham. So I had to drive one hour, 50 minutes to work, and one hour, 50 minutes to get back home, five days a week. Those days, there were no working from home. And, um, you know, and that's if there's no traffic. If there's traffic, I could spend one and a half hours, sometimes two hours each way. So one day I went to my manager. He's a very nice man. I said, um, please, can I be working from the office in Skipton? Because, you know, you can connect anyway. And if I need to come to Paddington, I'll come to Paddington. But can I work from Skipton? It's 30 minutes from home. And he said to me, the problem we have is that there's only one member of our team in Skipton. He's worked in this company for about 20 years. He's been here longer than everyone else. He's grumpy. He's hard to work with. Everyone we've sent to Skipton has eventually run, run back to Paddingham because they can't work with him. And I don't want you to go through that stress. And I said, yeah, but I don't want to drive one hour, 15 minutes to work twice a day. So eventually he said, look, go once or twice a week, see how it goes, and if it doesn't work out, you know, you just come back to Panama but I've told you, you know, it's like, you're on your own, but I really don't. So, you know, so I went, you know, because I was more concerned about, I want to drive 50, 30 minutes to work and 30 minutes back. So I got there, and I met him, and true to my manager's words, he was grumpy, 
He complained. He didn't like the company. He didn't like the systems. He didn't like the management. He didn't like the procedures. He, but he was good at his job. <laughs> but he complained and complained. And, you know, so what? And so I kind of prayed about this, Lord, how, how do I cope with this guy? And I just kind of felt like God saying, just listen to him. Don't say anything. Hear him out. So he would talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Some things I agreed with, some I didn't. And the things I didn't agree with, I let him talk and talk and talk. But I'll say, hey, but what about this? What do you think about this thing? And he'll be like, mm, yeah. So eventually, you won't believe, but even my manager couldn't believe, we became very good working mates, very close. I was working there five days a week. I got what I wanted. <laughs> Amen. And when I left there, you know, we still were in contact for quite a number of years. And when he eventually left, he called me up and said, Dami, please, can you give me a reference for this new job I'm going to? That just goes to show what listening and giving that person a hearing ear did. So we had even a good working relationship at work. Number four, close friends speak up for one another. Close friends speak up for one another. Jonathan spoke up for his friend David at key moments in David's difficulties with John's father, King Saul. We all know King Saul made numerous attempts to terminate David's life. But listen to what Jonathan said to his dad in 1 Samuel 19 verse 4. Jonathan spoke well of David to his father Saul. He said to him, the king should not sin against his servant David. He hasn't sinned against you. In fact, his actions have been a great advantage to you. Jonathan spoke up for his friends. And the question is, can we speak up for our friends and vice versa? And when we say speaking up, I mean in truth. Not covering our friends for something that is wrong that they may have done. You know, the Bible talks about Job. And we, if you know the story of Job, I'm sure we do. Job went through many challenges. And Job had three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Elihu. You can read the book of Job. We don't have time. But these three friends, they tore Job apart. They, <laughs> in Nigeria, we say they finished him. <laughs> they finished Job, the three friends. But you know, the, the surprising thing is, these three guys were churchy. They knew God. They knew the Bible. Read their accounts. They spoke great things about God, the great things God has done. That if, you know, they said, well, if you were a righteous man, you would not do, do such and such and such. For the people who sin against God, God is almighty. God is holy. They spoke lovely scriptures. But in terms of friendship, they were nowhere to be found. But even God had to rebuke them. And God had to say, no, you've not spoken well of my servant, Job. And God had to correct them for what they had done. Close friends speak up for one another. Number five, close friends lay down their own personal agenda on behalf of their friends. So when we're looking for friends who are close and also us, can we lay down our own personal interest for the sake of our friends? Jonathan actually had the birthright to become king after King Saul because he was King Saul's son. He did not need to strive for it. He didn't need to do anything. He, was, he had the birthright. He was King Saul's son. But Jonathan could tell that the Lord's anointing was upon David to lead Israel and become king. He did not assert his own rights or build up a selfish political agenda. The Bible recalls in the book of 1 Samuel 23 and verse 16 to 17. 
Then Saul's son, Jonathan, came to David in Horesh and encouraged him in his faith in God, saying, Don't be afraid, for my father Saul will never lay a hand on you. You yourself will be king over Israel, and I will be your second in command. Even my father Saul knows this to be true. Imagine laying down your right to become king on behalf of someone else because they're your close friend and you favor them. But this sounds very much like Jesus, what he did for us. You know, Jonathan was the son of the king, yet rightfully, you know, rightfully, and yet he was willing and declared that David would become king and he would become his second in command. If we bring this to our today world, imagine yourself being a friend of Prince William. And we all know that Prince William is the heir to the throne after King Charles' reign is over. And Prince William says to you, because you're my friend, after my father's reign, then you will be king. And this is it's true. It's not a TikTok prank. Yeah. Imagine, imagine that. That's what Jonathan did to his friend. We are to hold our friends in high esteem and to have their best interests at heart. When we do this for them, they would also do it for us. Our best friends would do it for us. There must be no room for jealousy or envy or unhealthy comparisons with our friends, unhealthy ambitions or competition, but godly love. You know, Jesus said, he said we should love our neighbors as ourselves. If we're to love our neighbors as ourselves, how much more our close friends? Number six, close friends create plans to protect one another. Close friends create plans to protect one another. Saul was bent on killing David. But Jonathan came, but Jonathan came up with a plan to get a secret message to David without telling anybody else. At that time, you know, David had left the palace and he was, he, he was staying in the countryside, hiding from King Saul. And um, this plan involved a saying of a certain thing to a servant about the shooting of some arrows. Um, Shergun kindly read for us the Bible reading. And I just want to pull out two verses from that reading. Verses 20 to 22 of 1 Samuel chapter 20. It says, I will shoot three arrows beside it, beside it as if I'm aiming at a target. Then I will send a servant and say, go and find the arrows. Now, if I expressly say to the servant, look, the arrows are on this side of you, get them, then come. Because as the Lord lives, it is safe for you and there is no problem. But if I say this to the youth, look, the arrows are beyond you, then go, for the Lord is sending you away. Now, David had to depend on Jonathan's integrity to tell the truth that if he said they're on this side, come back, he's safe. And if they're on that side, go, they means you're not safe. And that's just what happened. Because Jonathan, you know, he had the encounter, if you read um, beyond before that, where his father even threw a spear at Jonathan and said, don't you know that you're supposed to be the king and you want to give it over to David? So because of the friendship and the love, he saved him. And David obviously didn't come back at that time. The last point is, close friends look out for one another's families. 
close friends look out for one another's families. If someone is your friend and your close friend, then you should look out for their family. If you have a friend who doesn't care about your wife, your husband, your children, and they say you're, they're your friend, I'm sorry, they're not your friend. They can't say, well, I'm your friend, but I'm not a friend to your family, then they're not, then they're not your friends. David was willing out of his friend, um, sorry, um, there was, Jonathan and David obviously had a covenant, and even when De- King David and Jonathan passed, uh, when Jonathan passed away, King David showed kindness to Jonathan's son. David was willing out of his friendness with Jonathan to look after Mephibosheth, his son. You know, the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1, David asked, went out after he had become king, is there anyone remaining from the family of Saul I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Now, this is really quite profound. David said, is there anyone remaining from the family of Saul I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? You know, he could have said, is there anyone remaining from the family of Jonathan that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? But he kind of backdated it, if I may use that word. In other words, even if, even if Jonathan didn't have any family to show kindness to, David was willing, for the sake of his friendship with Jonathan, to show kindness to anyone from the family of Saul, Saul who tried to kill him, but he was still willing for the sake of Jonathan to show kindness to anyone from the family of Saul. But as God would have it, Jonathan had a son called Mephibosheth who was crippled due to an accident. And Ziba, a servant of Saul's family, told King David of Mephibosheth. And David asked for him to be brought to his house, to his palace, to eat on his table. And when he was brought before David, King David said in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, King David said, don't be afraid, since I intend to show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all of your grandfather Saul's fields, and you will always eat meals at my table. As I said, you can't be somebody's close friend and not care about their family. And someone else can't be your close friend and not care about your family. May I just um, invite the worship team to come back on stage, and I'll quickly summarize these seven points and just bring two responses to this message today. The first point we raised today was that close friends build friendships on a foundation of truth. Truth has to be the foundation of every friendship we have especially with our close friends. Number two, close friends keep affirming agreements about their, fr- their friendship. You must be able to talk about your friendship with your friends. Number three, close friends give one another gifts expressing real personal value. And one of the greatest gifts you can give to a friend and a friend can give you is their time and a listening ear. The fourth point, close friends speak up for one another. Number five, close friends lay down their own personal agenda on behalf of their friends. Number six, 
close friends create plans to protect one another. We must be protective of our close friends. Someone who we want to share our life with, we must see that they are protective of us and they have our interests at heart. Close friends look out for one another's families. If someone's your close friend, if someone is, you know, we want to share our life with, then they, we must see that they care about us and our families. And I'd just like to bring two res- major responses from this message that I've shared today. We saw the covenant of friendship between David and Jonathan was strong. But despite being strong, it was temporary. Because after Jonathan died and King David died, and we don't really hear anything else about that friendship. In fact, we don't even hear anything else about Mephibosheth after King David died. But we have a friendship with Jesus. And the friendship Jesus shows us is even stronger and it lasts forever. And maybe you're here today and you want to be a part of this friendship. It's not like the robe, the tunic, the sword, the belt and the bow that Jonathan gave David. God gave us his one and only son. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so much loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That anyone and everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life probably you're here today maybe you're invited or maybe you've been coming to church or maybe maybe you you know you were with God and then you've kind of trailed off the path maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and you want a forever friend who genuinely loves you maybe you felt the need to you feel like, you know, you know, you're saying to yourself, I need to get right with God. Or I need God in my life. I need a forever friend. He's calling you. Why not come to him today? Today being Father's Day is a great day to come to the Father. God loves you and I so much. I'd just like to read a few things that God has said about you and I in the Bible. He said he has loved us with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. In Luke 12, verse 7, the Bible says, He loves us so much that He knows the very number of hairs on our head. That's something none of us know. I'm confident about that. When I love the scriptures, one of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah 49, verse 15 and 16. The Bible says, Can a mother forget her nursing child? But even, if it were pos- but even if it were possible for her to forget, and I don't believe a mother can ever forget her nursing child, but the Bible says that if it were possible for a mother to forget her nursing child, he will never forget us. He said, see, I've engraved your name in the palm of my hands. So if you would like to step into an eternal friendship with Jesus, here's a prayer you can pray just where you're sat. If you kindly repeat this prayer after me, and it just goes like this. Lord Jesus, I am so sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me for being separated from you and from other people. I receive you into my life as Lord. Please lead lead me from now on. I surrender to you. I believe that you died on the cross to take away my sins. That you rose again on the third day 
and that you are alive and with me now. I accept you into my life. Please help me to live for you. Thank you for your gift of eternal life for now and forever. Amen. And the second response for each and every one of us, myself inclusive, do we need to take on any of the points that have been mentioned today? Do we need to be a close friend to someone? Have we rejected the love others have shown us? And you know that they are good people and they have your interests at heart. But for one reason or another, you've kept your distance. As a father today, is God calling you to make a call to your son or your daughter that maybe you're not talking or maybe there's a broken relationship between you. Today being Father's Day is a very good day maybe to make that call and take that step to bring them back home. Whatever it is that we need to do, whatever it is that God may have laid on your heart, let's ask the Lord for his help to help us to do that which we need to do to make the right decisions and to live for him. Amen. Thank you all and wishing us all a happy Father's Day. Let's worship. Thank you.